Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gamblernet in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. All right, Cole, what's happening, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. It's a lot better to talk about wins. Enjoying that part. Isn't it? It really is, man. <clears throat> Fair yeah. point. No, that's not um, true. I, I like being negative. I don't want it to be negative. And now you are the negative. You're known as the negative one. Um, <laughs> I'm known as the positive one. <laughs> no doubt. Um, Let's talk some football. Sorry, we haven't been around. It's uh, Cole's had. We've had kids out of school. We've had. I'm moving. Um, it's been crazy probably the last week. So our schedule's been a little off. Normally we would have been on here on uh, Sunday, Monday morning, um, but it was. It's just been a lot going on. So um, we'll get back on schedule here soon. Um, real quick, shout out to our sponsors of the show. By the way, I still think I have like a. <clears throat> I mean, I cannot get like this you know, congestion out of, out of the uh, system. <clears throat> yeah, I was I was past it, and then I decided to cut the grass while nice. Coleman took a nap yesterday, and uh, then it just started right back up. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. I'm also enjoying second summer. It's my favorite season. <laughs> or is it third? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll lose track. I like, yeah, a little summer, a little early fall. We have yep. second summer, a little late fall, and then we're going to have a winter. Winner one. Um, you know, right. I've, I've talked to Christian Clemente about this. You know, he's from Montana. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, he, he was really cold the other night when we were at the Pike Road um, uh, Booker T. Washington game. I was like, dude, isn't it cold in Montana? Like, he goes, yeah, this is different. It's different here. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay. I wonder if you get used yeah. to it here. I mean, you get used to the warmth here, and then when it's cold, it hits you. It hits you different, maybe. Um, it's like if you if I grew up in if I grew up in a cold place, it wouldn't be cold. You're just used to it. You would it think wouldn't feel cold. Yeah, he I said know, it, it's a wet cold. He said it's like humid <clears throat> almost. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's jump into this thing. Uh, Session cocktail sponsor of the show. Appreciate everything they do to be a part of the show. If you haven't checked them out. Uh, come check them out, New Mexico State game or, or the Iron Bowl. Um, I'm sure they'll be they'll be packed. They're down there on Magnolia Avenue in downtown Auburn, right next to Taco Mama. Um, great happy hour drinks, four to six. They do reservations. <clears throat> um, if you uh, if you go by there, you can put your name on the list and then go hop over and get some food or walk around downtown, and then they'll text you or call you. Um, so if it's a 30, 40 minute wait, something like that, just go put your name on the list, go walk around, things like that. But that generally only happens 
you know Thursday nights, maybe Friday nights. You're, you're you know happy hours and all that. You should be you should be pretty good. But um, great drinks, um, bar seating and booth and lounge seating. It's a really cool spot. Session Cocktail Downtown Auburn, Alabama. Uh, also, want to give a uh, shout out to GameTime.co. They're a sponsor of On Three as well as Auburn Live. I get asked a bunch about tickets and whether I can get tickets for people, and I cannot get you tickets um, unless I know some. I know people have tickets, but I can't hook you up with tickets um, just because I'm in the media. So um, GameTime.co. Go to GameTime.co. Last minute tickets for not just games, but concerts or um, comedy shows or entertainment events or whatever it might be. Um, they do a really good job. Download the app um, and get some last-minute tickets from GameTime.co. Use the promo code War Eagle get, and get 20. Well, crap! Now I forgot. 20% off. I think it's 20% off. Um, 20% or 20 dollars. Probably should get that right. Um, but uh, go to GameTime.co and check them out. By the way, if you if you buy if you find tickets somewhere else and uh, they're cheaper than what you found on GameTime.co. They will reimburse you that difference plus a little bit. So it's kind of a kind of a guarantee they do right there. GameTime.co. Appreciate them being a part of the show. All right, Cole. Let's talk about let's talk a little bit about Vanderbilt, obviously, and then look ahead to Arkansas. Um, I was there in Nashville. Really cool um, to see all the Auburn fans there. That stadium is a cluster. Um, it is a joke. The uh, I mean, it'd be cool once they have finished if they finish their projects and stuff. It'll be nice that that stadium needs it. But right now, you enter through the basketball arena, you took a maze. It's a whole thing. Uh, we did press conferences out outside the stadium in a construction trailer. Legitimately, the serious? trailer being used for like you know when you go have a construction site, you have these trailers that are set up kind of the headquarters while the construction's going on. That's where we did press conference. We went out of the stadium. We went across the street into a parking lot where there was a construction trailer. And, uh, like, we were all sitting in there waiting on freeze, and a dude, construction dude, just walked in with his hard hat on and, like, walked into his office. We're like, hey, man. So, so that place yeah. is, is, is wild. But, uh, but is Auburn the went there. Vandy, that's the most Vandy thing in the world. Yeah. Or is it that their punter has the most career punt, punting yards, like, in college football. Yeah. Is that, that, was is that the most bandy stat of all time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely the most bandy stat of all time. Um, but pretty day. Great day for football. Um, great day for football. Just kind of a kind of a mess. Um, wasn't a mess on the field for the most part. Thought Auburn played well. Score definitely should have been worse. Um, I mean – just take away Peyton Thorne's interception decision and give Amari Kelly a catch. There's there's touchdown going both ways. You know what I mean? Just literally those two plays could have been touchdowns going either direction. I'm taking one off the board for them and giving one to Auburn. So um, score should have been worse. Auburn played pretty well. Um, I think you know, the big plays were awesome to see offensively. Defense continues to be pretty solid. DJ James made some money. He looked good. Um, what were uh, what were your takeaways, if any, from that game? I mean, I, I think they win it. By the way, I had 31-17, 31-15. Told you it's like an every other week thing. We both did 31-17. Yeah. yeah, 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 we did. We both did. So Arkansas, I'm going to be way off. Um, but what you what you think of the game, about what you expected? Was there anything that you were shocked by, like good or bad? I mean, or was it kind of just status quo, went in there, took care of business, make it to a I actually um, – I think Peyton Thorne's getting a lot of, um, you know, that he played well. A lot of people say that he played well, and he did. In fact, I I, I kind of graded him in my grading system like I do. And, look, that's just my opinion. I'm not trying to act like I know everything. But I think it's a good scale, just like PFF is. It's a good scale of what happened in the game. And yep. um, I graded him on RPOs 100%. He, he was good on those, clean. Uh, when he needed to hand it off, he did. When he needed to throw it, he did. And he was accurate. Um, but when it came to drop back passing, he sort of reverted to old ways a little bit. In fact, he's somewhere around 50% on the passing for me because there was a lot of plays where I felt like he threw the ball too late. Uh, I felt like he held on to it too long. Didn't stay in the pocket as long as he needed to a few times. Just 
erratic. Uh, so I, that that may not have been seen by the eye because he did make a lot of good throws, especially that corner route to Rivaldo Fairweather was great for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. The, the dropped ball by Amari Kelly was a great throw. Great throw. Um, he even put one in a pretty good place with Camden Brown when he sort of mistimed his jump uh, on a deeper ball. By the way, this is I think I've studied Philip Montgomery enough to know when he's calling plays because I think they both do. I think Freeze calls his share of plays and Montgomery sure. calls his share of plays. Montgomery does this thing, and he did it at Tulsa because I went and watched the Tulsa Ole Miss game from last year. Um, not only did I get to watch Montgomery's offense in that game, got to watch Jane Muskrat and Dylan Wade and see how good they were. So I've watched that game several times. Philip Montgomery will call the exact same play twice in a row if he feels like it worked. And I love that. So the the time jump by Camden Brown, he came back to that play with Amar Kelly. Same play. Uh, there was another time where he called a play, and it was the exact same play. It was a wheel route uh, to maybe Jarquez Hunter, and Thorne didn't throw it. He was open. Very next play, they run the wheel route. It's Jay Fair, and he hits Jay Fair mm-hmm. down inside the 10. So I'm, I'm almost positive that's Philip Montgomery because I've seen him do that where he just calls the exact same play twice in a row. And I don't care if you know it's coming. It worked. It's going to work again. You're in the same defense. I love that. I think that's a good idea, and it, and it worked for Auburn. So I'm trying to dis- distinguish when Hugh Freeze is calling plays and when Montgomery's calling plays. And I just want to say on the on the defense, I, I think we can. I think they're just good. I think they're just good. They're not deep. Don't have a lot of depth. Can't play a lot of snaps because of it. But they're just good. They're coached well, and they're getting the very mo- the, as much as they can out of them. Yeah, the, the, the play calling thing is interesting, and I thought about this on Monday. When, you know, the Ole Miss game, you know, we posted on the board that, that you know, Hugh Freeze took over Robbie's plays in that game. Um, and then I asked Hugh Freeze in the press conference, hey, you know, are you calling plays? And he kind of admitted he was calling some of the 13 personnel stuff with Robbie. Um, now I'm curious how that's working. Um, probably should have asked him that on Monday. I just didn't think about it. But, you know, you've got, you know, Robbie's pretty much out of the equation now. First game, first game all year, where there was no quarterback rotation against Vanderbilt. It was all Peyton Thorne, and and of course Robbie barely played against State. And then we go to practice on Tuesday, and it very much looked like I posted on the on the message board. It very much looked like Holden Garner was the number two quarterback. Now we see 15 minutes of a certain part portion of practice, but there there is a rotation. I mean, if you watch every other position, the dudes who are starting, the guys they're they're at the, they're at the front of the line. When you go through these rotations and, and then it goes in order, very much looked like Holden was the number two guy. Um, and that would line up with Hugh Freeze and Peyton Thorne both saying Holden Gurner got more reps leading into the Vanderbilt game. Um, and Hugh Freeze even giving Holden Gurner some credit, saying he, he, he's, he had a great week of practice um, and looked really good. So all that kind of lines up to, to Holden being number two. But having said all that, I'm curious how the play calling is differentiated now. Robbie's out of the picture. The Robbie package isn't a thing right now, and it probably won't be a thing. There's three games left. We're done with that. I mean, for all intent, I'm sure Robbie will come back in the game in one of these three games in a, in a situation, but the rotating appears to be done, thank God, um, and, and the, the, the switching of possession seems to be done. Um, that will always be a, just a mind-blowing thing to me. Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery are – Way smarter than me when it comes to offense, but I just will go to my garages. We'll do not understand the quarterback rotation and what the thought process was with that. But I'm wondering what what plays Freeze calls now. Because I agree with you. I think there's there's definitely some some mix going. Hugh Freeze said on Monday it's a collaboration. He called it a collaboration. And, um, you know, he said Monty still calls his fair share. Well, of course, that all, that means that he's calling plays. So maybe the, maybe the, maybe maybe he gets involved on third down. Maybe he gets involved in some red zone. I, I, I don't, I'm curious. Or maybe it's just you're the play caller and I'm going to chime in from time to time and say run this play. Hey, let's do this. Um, maybe it's not so much Hugh has a possession or a package. Maybe it's just he's just going to stay really involved um, in just general play calling. What in the words that he used, I have a big hand or I have a influence on the play sheet. Is that what he said, the play sheet? He keeps going back to that. The call sheet. 
he keeps going back to that, and it's something that he said weeks ago. It was really going back to the towards the beginning of the season, maybe even after Cal, where he came out and he said, "I approved for the first time, and like I approved every sheet that was on that was on the call sheet for the game." And that was probably after week two or three when he came out and said that when Auburn's offense was it might have been after Cal, and then going into the next week, maybe Sanford, I guess it was, where he first sort of said that. And he keeps mm-hmm. kind of going back to that, and it, he, I mean, I, I mean, he is. He, so basically, he's looking at the call sheet, and he's he, every call for people that that you know maybe aren't aware. You go into a game without, you don't go into the game with your whole playbook. You go into the game with the plays that you think will work against the team you're playing, things you want to do um, in that game. And so that sheet is what Hugh Freeze is saying. I approve every single one of those plays. When we go into a game, there won't be a play called that I haven't approved of. Yeah, uh, is what he's saying. But it is interesting. He kind of keeps saying that, but that's not really what people are asking. The question to him and what people are asking is like, are you what are are you literally calling plays in the game? Are you the play caller? And he kind of keeps sort of saying, yeah, I'm involved. Monty's calling his fair share and I approve all the plays. Well, that's not yeah. really what you know, it's sort of a diversion. Yeah. Without, you know, so he kind of he, he's sort of hesitant, which I, I, you know, understand. To maybe go into detail about, well, I call all these plays and Philip calls these plays and, you know, he just calls it a, a collaboration, which is probably fair. I thought it was hilarious um, in, in the Monday press conference when I think it was the same guy that asked the question that got him kind of yeah. fired up. Yeah. And uh, good question. And it was, they were both good questions. It's just the way he answered them and it, it, it struck a chord with him, I guess. And this week he said, you know, uh, I've tried to tell Thorne, you know, bro, like, hey, look, man, I, they they want me to throw the ball when we're back up in the end zone. You gotta, you gotta make those plays. You can't be throwing picks, uh, pick sixes right there. And he's sitting there on the sideline, going, man, I knew I should have run the ball right there and just punted. <laughs> it was funny. It was very. It was a very, very funny moment. He said, he said, yeah, he said, he said, he didn't, he didn't actually say it to Peyton. He was thinking of yeah. saying it to Peyton. He's like, man, right. the media wants me to, the media wants me to throw down here. You got to help me yeah. out. You can't make that mistake. <laughs> Everybody got a good laugh out of that. That uh, boy, that pick six. I, I guess it's just one of those fluke things. I mean, you do. He is in the shadow yeah. right there, and I don't. I don't like to make excuses for that. And I know Peyton Thorne wouldn't either. But man, it's just that was one of those. He things. said somebody asked him because uh, apparently the announcers maybe made a comment about the sun. And uh, when we talked to Peyton on, on Monday, somebody said, the announcer said maybe it was the sun. Was it the sun? And he kind of laughed. He goes, no, no. It's like, I just didn't see him. That was that yeah. was definitely a pick where it was a fl- not fluke. I mean, I don't want to say fluky. It was a bad decision, and he has to own that, and I think he did. But that's not characteristic of of him. He's thrown late sometimes, but that type of interception, that obvious and egregious is – is definitely one where you go. He he just didn't. He didn't see him. Huge mistake. He and it, and it can't happen in a big game, but I don't think it's something that's going to necessarily be repeated. You know what and I mean? Even though even though it was just a mistake and, and, and an honest mistake, I mean you can understand why that would happen. Um, it, it, I think it affected his confidence and his rhythm a little bit later in the game as the game went on. He started holding on the ball a little bit more, like we saw him doing earlier in the year. The confidence maybe wasn't as good as it was at one point. So that play affected him some more in the game because after that, when I'm looking at some of these plays, he's just late. He's late on a lot of reads. I, I actually, one of the drops by Fairweather, I I put it on Thorne because the ball was late. It should have been thrown way before Fairweather. And, and this is some improvement I'm seeing from receivers right now. It's, it's the spacing deal where he has to sit down in a hole and you're yep. waiting for the ball to come. Well, the ball didn't come when he sat down in the zone hole. So what did he do? He started moving towards open space. And the throw was a little bit behind him because he was moving to the open space. But he was doing what he was taught, and it looked really good. It looked more, um, you know, it looked more organized than it has, the whole operation. So you can see flashes of things getting better like that. Minus um, the drops. That was yeah, a major drop. step backwards. I mean, look. Drops six are not – well, he said – Free said seven. Free said he counted seven. I counted six during the game. I had six during the game. Uh, 
But drops are, you know, that's that's where where you go to recruiting. <laughs> if you got guys that can't make the catch, then you go get some more guys. Bottom line. Well, I think they are. You know what I'm saying? They um, are. And, and by the way, this past week, you know, I, I'm constantly checking on recruiting and, and all that, and, and it sounded like while there was not, there was definitely recruiting going on. It was a little bit less than it has been in recent in weeks before. As in, there's a lot of emphasis on the game plan this week before Vandy. A lot of emphasis on football and practice, and and hey, we need to win this game. I think in turn, winning a game against Vandy probably does help you in recruiting. You don't want to lose that game for sure. Um, even though it's year one, you get this mulligan or whatever. But you got to have positive momentum when you're going in to recruit too. You got to have, hey, you know, we took care of business this week. To tell a recruit instead of, well, if we had you, that that doesn't always work when things look really bad because perception is, unfortunately, everything right now. Yeah, I, um, I would agree with that. Jarquez Hunter had a big game. That's three games in a row for him. He did. Uh, let's see. Um, of course, a couple of, big, couple of big runs, which I don't know how to look at explosive plays. You love them. So the, that game was weird, right? Because at one point, Jarquez had a couple of massive runs, and then everything else was was he was going nowhere. Yeah. So that was sort of that was sort of um, that was sort of a, a go both ways type deal in the in the first half, and and for a lot of the game where you're looking at the numbers going well, Auburn's got some nice rushing yards. Jarquez is having a good game, but he's not consistently going for three, four, five. He's not. He didn't have like four, five, seven, eight-yard carries. It was it was some big plays. So love the big plays. Auburn's offense needs the big plays. Um, wish they had a little more push. Um, I, I think I can maybe help explain a little bit of that. I have four times where there was an unblocked linebacker that hit Jarquez Hunter at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And what they did, if, if you remember from a week ago, every single run play was wide zone. You know what the wide zone looks like. It looks like stretch, yeah. but it's about the same thing, really. The only difference is the play side tackle um, works inside out instead of trying to reach the guy. So they did a wide zone almost every single play a week ago. Well, this week it was inside zone. So they changed up the scheme a little bit, and, and they run the same scheme over and over because they have an RPO pass attachment with everything. So there's really no reason to be all that crazy in the run game because uh, you can pull it at any time and, and, um, you know, throw it. And that's what Thorne did a lot. But uh, several times, combos did not get completed. In other words, they're working on the down line, and somebody's got to climb to the linebacker, and it wasn't happening. So yeah. there was a linebacker standing there in the hole waiting for Hunter to get there uh, a couple of times, and that's something that they have to clean up on the offensive line. See, we haven't talked about the offensive line too much because they've been pretty consistent, but they had some inconsistencies for the first time that I saw, um, glaring inconsistencies. Um, sorry, we're uh, as we're recording this, there's, we're also doing news in real time. Yep, I'm going to. Jeffrey on uh, some basketball stuff, you know, expected, nothing crazy. It's, uh, you know, it's a hot Pettiford signing. Um, you know, multitask here. Baller, so Todd Pettiford is a baller. Um, By the way, Justin, if you want to talk basketball, I know I'm not the basketball guy, but I watched every minute of that game last night. <laughs> we will. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, I, I love some basketball. I grew up playing it, so that's that's a that's a joy for me. Um, what position did you play? Oh, guard. You know what I'm saying? I was can't play the you, can't play the big was, four positions. Thinking you were a center. <laughs> Hell no. Um, I tweeted the other day. I played with uh, played against Bucky McMillan when I was growing up. He's now the coach at uh, Sanford. Um, huh. He coached Mountain Brook High School to state championships. Now he's coaching at Sanford. A kid, dude, was awesome as a freaking growing up. I'm not shocked at all that he's a legit coach. Um, I think what else really stood out in that game against Vanderbilt? The defense continues to do their thing. Love that Nehemiah got a pick that that extended the the, the turnover streak to 18 games, which I'd have to go back and look. They had a streak of 18 games in 07 into 08. I don't know what the streak. I don't know what the next longest streak is. Um, so 
I do know I went back 20-plus years, and they've never had a turnover in every single game, at least going back to, like, 99. They're only three games away from doing that. Um, but the takeaways has just been awesome. The secondary has been really good. Massive shout-out to Zach Etheridge, um, Jeremiah Wilson. Ron Roberts helps with the corners, too. But those those guys are crushing it. I mean, you've got most of the guys in the secondary have got a pick at this point. Uh, Austin Keys coming back. Awesome game. We can talk about that. Hugh Freeze said that he thought the linebackers had their best game. It's hard to not point to Austin Keys returning, not just because Austin Keys is good, but it reduces the snaps for the other guys. Larry Nixon doesn't have to play as much. Asante can maybe take a few less snaps. Cam Riley take it just it trickles down a little bit. Larry Nixon's probably the most affected, but it trickles over to the others in terms of overall snaps. But Austin Keys has been really good. Jalen McLeod has now had about three, four games in a row where he's been pretty good. I looked it up. I think McLeod, in two of his last three games, he's had – he's kind of – you know, I remember I posted on the board, I think after LSU maybe, I posted on the board that, you know, I was just surprised that he wasn't doing more. At that point, he was pretty healthy. I think against LSU, it was like his first full sack of the season he recorded. And I was like, man, really thought we were going to get more from Jalen McLeod this year. Well. All of a sudden, against Vanderbilt, McLeod has six hurries on the quarterback, two hits on the quarterback, nine total pressures against the quarterback. And you go back two games against Ole Miss, seven pressures, four hurries on the quarterback, two hits. So two of the last three games, he's had at least four quarterback hurries, at least seven total pressures, um, and at least two hits on the quarterback. He didn't have as, as many as against Mississippi State. That was that's a little bit different offensive scheme. But um, he's starting to come into his own. He's starting to come into his own when you look at what he's bringing to the table. You look at what Austin Keys is doing healthy. Keontae Scott, of course, now back in rhythm. Um, whatever that defense has done, they have every opportunity to go into the Iron Bowl with a really good chance of keeping Auburn in that football game against an against an Alabama team that's – that's getting really good on offense. But this defense is getting better. Um, I expect them to go to Fayetteville and play well. K.J. Jefferson's a monster. And that offense will, will be energized with a new O.C. be interesting to see what they do. That, that could be a trip-up trip type deal for Auburn's defense because you're not exactly sure. You only have really one good game, to, game, game film of Kenny Guyton. But Ron Roberts has been awesome in-game uh, at adjustments. But that defense, man, I mean, it's one of the better jobs of coaching in terms of Ron Roberts that, that I've that I can remember for for a team that was just is limited in depth. And when we say limited in depth, like they've got guys, what we mean is that they're limited with like championship depth, like elite depth. You know what I mean? They yeah. got a guy you can put in there. You know, you can toss in there a second string guy. It's not like they don't have bodies. It's just the the caliber of bodies is not what it needs to be, and even it's obviously even some starting positions. But the job that, that he's done uh, getting stops, <clears throat> they've been pretty good at getting people off on third downs. Um, they continue to make some stops in the red zone. They are a bend but don't break defense, and then they get a few takeaways, and, you know, they keep them in the ball game. But that defense has been really, really surprisingly solid. Well, the secondary's got three draft picks. Uh, DJ James, Jalen Simpson, and and uh, Nehemiah Pritchett are all going to get drafted. All going to be NFL guys. And uh, Nehemiah Pritchett to me is the least talked about, most underrated player on this defense this year. I mean, since he came back from injury, he has been excellent in coverage, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> he had that pick there to keep the streak alive at the end, but you're not hearing his name a lot, and that's what you want from a corner. It was DJ James. Like, you didn't hear his name much last year. You hear it a little more. They picked on him a little bit this year. He's been strong, too. Had a few misses in coverage. But Nehemiah Pritchett, man, he's he's on it. Uh, he came well, back but, full speed. And to back you up on that, to back you up on that, Pro Football Focus has got him being targeted 11 times in the last two games. And granted, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt's quarterbacks, that their passing games are not awesome. But – He's been targeted 11 times in the last two games. He's given up three catches for a total of 27 yards. Yep. Pretty good. 
Sounds about right. Uh, it's like I said, when you don't hear his name, you know something's going good. Um, the defensive line rotation continues to scare me. And I understand why Freeze has been hesitant to go with tempo because of it. I mean, when you take the, the jacks out or the edge rushers, which are McLeod and McAllister, mm-hmm. how many are you really rotating? Jason Jones, Justin Rogers. Marcus Harris, Zeke Walker, Keldrick Falk, Lawrence Johnson. Is there anybody else? Nope. That's six guys. Vandy even rotates eight guys on the defensive line. Yeah. That should tell you. That should tell you where it's at right now. How about Jalen McLeod? Wasn't technically a starter at Appalachian State. Not really. He came in as a pass rusher. He was sort of your late down guy, your second and long, your passing situation guy. And I watched the film on him, watched the whole game of Appalachian State. They rotate eight to nine guys. I don't think people will understand when you're only rotating six guys how dangerous that can be. I mean, you're flirting with oh, disaster. Yeah. You're really you're talking about the SEC here. You're flirting with disaster with that. So that's why he's I will take you know, I will give him some credit where it's due here. I think being worried about that is okay. I think that's smart. Um, I had this theory, Justin. Lincoln Riley just fired his defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. Is that his name, Alex? Yep, Alex Grinch. Lincoln Riley has never had a good defense everywhere he's been as a head coach, not once. Oklahoma was – Decent at best one year maybe on defense, but they always had to fight and claw to win games with offensive performance. And now they're doing it at USC. Hugh Freeze has always had good defenses as a head coach. Now, he has seen his offensive coach, offensive guy, I guess, since he calls plays. But I believe that Hugh Freeze is a defensive-minded coach. You're talking about why the defense is good and why they're doing more with less. I think it starts with you freeze. I think he has the defense in mind when he's doing things on offense. And that's how you turn things around. It starts with defense. I know today's college football world, it's all about offense, high-flying offense. you got to have that to win, and you do. But you're not going to win without a good defense either. You can forget it. And the best teams do. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, all these teams that have been winning, Ohio State, they all play good defense. Mm-hmm. For the most part, Ohio State. Um, my point is, I think Hugh Freeze has done a lot of things in regards to the defense all year long, and that's why some of these things that don't make sense to us and we're trying to figure it out, there's a bigger picture there. And he wanted to get to this point in the season with his defense intact because he knew depth is going to be a problem. The more I've thought about it, the more that makes sense to me, and the more it makes sense why the defense performs at a pretty high level every game. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would agree. I would agree. I, I think it was interesting hearing Hugh Freeze talk about his involvement in the defense, <clears throat> um, where he was like, look, I pretty much stay out of the way, but I get involved on third downs. I get involved leading up to the week on on third downs where I think as an offensive guy, I've got a pretty good idea of what they want to do. And even during the games, I have a pretty good idea of what they want to do on third downs. Um, And so he tries to help Ron Roberts out there on on that third down defense. But, you know, you talk about the defensive line, this past game, they had their best game. They did. You had pro football focus had Jason Jones, Lawrence Johnson, Zeke Walker, and Marcus Harris all in the top nine in terms of overall defensive grades. So for the top nine. You know, Zeke Walker easily had his easily had his best games. Three three tackles, uh four stops, a couple pressures. Lawrence Johnson had a couple of stops uh, you know right there at the line of scrimmage. Um Jason Jones they credit as playing really well with some pressures and things. So it was interesting. I mean, you look at the linebackers had their best game. Maybe the defensive line had their best game in terms of other guys stepping up and making plays. That was a uh, – you know what's so funny about – so here, here's the deal, just like in full transparency. We talk about pro football focus a lot, and this is why I'm so hesitant to 
use their grades. I do. I think it provides. I think it provides you know some perspective, and it's you know it's it's not the end all be all, but it, you know you can look up drops or snaps or sure. some pressures and stuff. Yeah. But you have Hugh Freeze comes out and says he thinks the linebackers had their best game of their of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Yet Pro Football Focus graded Cam Riley the second to worst grade on the defense, and Larry Nixon the third the worst grade on the defense. Hmm. Now, how does how does the head coach who watched the film say I think overall the linebackers had their best game, and then Pro Football Focus says no, we think Cam Riley and Larry Nixon were literally the two worst defenders on the field. Well. You know, that's I do. why you take this stuff with a grain of salt, because I'm gonna believe Hugh Freeze. I mean, Hugh Freeze is in the room with the like with Josh Aldridge. Like, you know what I mean? I I definitely take it with a grain of salt too, especially when it comes to linebackers and secondary. Because, you know, I, I do my own grades at Auburn Live. The corner, uh, it's become a popular thing with the quarterback for sure. And I don't grade every play because I don't always know what's going on in every play. I have to know right. for sure what's going right. on in every play. Right. When you, go, when you turn to the defense, you yeah. don't know what the linebackers are supposed to be doing. You don't know where yeah. he's supposed to be in coverage. DB. Yep. You credit him with a coverage, and it's like, well, that really wasn't his guy. Yeah. Every once in a while, you can go, all right, that was clearly cover three. This guy stepped the wrong way. He should have been deeper, whatever. But yep. you, you can't do it every play, I promise. It's a lot more difficult on that side of the ball, especially, by the way, when they're not in the screen on TV. Mm-hmm. How do you know they're in the right place? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can't grade a play because the routes aren't in the screen. Because, by the way, ESPN broadcast has been absolutely horrific this year. You know how many plays were missed? I got four plays that I couldn't grade or see on the ESPN broadcast because they just missed them for showing a graphic or being on commercial break. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, that's starting that. to become a thing where it's happening enough where you notice it. Which is not great. It kind of goes back to the the, yeah. the the cornerback decision. If you start to notice it, it's an issue. We don't want to exactly. Notice. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that that has irritated me. Like I, I can't I can't get every single piece of play data because they are missing plays on the broadcast. How do you do that? They missed the first play of the game, by the way, Justin. I know you were there, but they missed the very first play. I don't know what happened ridiculous. on that play. That's ridiculous. Or the first play. Uh, I think Auburn was on defense to start the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was to Will Shepard. Will Shepard caught the very first two passes. Then Not Will that Shepherd, one. Will Shepard. It was Auburn being on offense. It was like an eight-yard run by Peyton Thorne. Oh, Peyton. Yeah, it was a scramble. Um, Didn't see it. Was it. A scramble. Yeah. And, and right when they cut back to it, Jarquez Hunter's running a long touchdown. You're like, how'd that happen? <laughs> yeah. ESPN's crushing it. <laughs> what what do you think that? about the? Um, any thoughts on this Arkansas game? I think it's certainly a tricky, dangerous game. It's a long road trip, 3 p.m. Arkansas coming off their first SEC win, which is not what you wanted to see if you're Auburn. team that's going to be coming home with some confidence. Offense is going to have a little bit of life and juice with a new OC. K.J. Jefferson's always dangerous. Um, you know, this will be a different road environment than, than obviously Vanderbilt. And... Um, so I think it's a tricky game. I think Vegas has it maybe Arkansas point point or two favorite. Yeah, Arkansas is definitely tricky better. Game. They're better than Vandy. This uh, is like the cow game to me where it's like just just win by one. Just win. Just yeah. win the game. This is not this is not, this is this is not one like Vandy winning by one is not good enough. That's a game where you should have won that game by two plus touchdowns. Uh Arkansas despite their record that's not this. I mean, that team lost at Alabama by three, at LSU by three, yeah. at Ole Miss by seven. Mississippi State game at home lost by four. That was a terrible performance. They fired their OC, and then lost by lost to BYU by seven. I mean, just a ton of close games. That's a competitive football team. You just try to escape that thing with a one point win, man. I've seen enough positive growth and improvement from the defense from the receivers, even Peyton Thorne, Dark West Hunter, to know that Auburn is very much capable of winning that game. And I actually have some optimism that Auburn wins the game. That's might be a little bit crazy because I know there's a big narrative out there that Auburn loses this game and very well, 
very well could. Uh, K.J. Jefferson can go off at any time. That's the kind of player he is. Uh, they had a big game. Obviously, they fired their O.C. and still have good offense with whoever's calling it now. I can't think of his name. Guyton, is that his name? Kenny Guyton, yeah, yeah. yeah. He um, played quarterback under Tom Herman, and then he coached with Kendall Browell. So it's going to look more like okay. what they were last year. It's going to look more like last year with Kendall Browell's than what they were doing with Dan Enos. Well, Kendall Bryles probably runs something similar to what Philip Montgomery knows about. That helps Auburn a little bit. Don't forget, uh, Ron Roberts was at Baylor. I don't know if he was there at the same time as Art Bryles, but there's probably a lot of stuff that was left over from what they did because they were so good at it. So there's some familiarity with that kind of offense, I would think. And Defense has a chance to have a big day and stop them because a lot of defenses has have stopped Arkansas for a good portion of the game. Like Alabama, Arkansas crawled back in that game in the late halves of the game. So it's like I, I think Auburn can win this game. I have some confidence in that. I just think the there's enough good trends and, and there's enough on the team to win a game like that. It'll be an inter- it'll be another good litmus test for this defense and Ron Roberts. You look back to last year, of course, at this point, you know, Auburn lost one, two. Auburn lost three in a row going into the Arkansas game last year, hosting Arkansas. Of course, that's the loss that uh, Brian Harson was fired two days later. Um, yeah. But that was a, just a ridiculous loss. Auburn lost 41-27 in that game. It was a little worse at one point. Oh, yeah. But Auburn gave up Auburn gave up 520 yards in that game, 7.2 yards a play, um, just atrocious. They gave up 276 yards rushing um, to Arkansas. Man, the defense in this in last – looking at the numbers last year in this little stretch, just to show you how far this defense has come with basically the same roster, <clears throat> a few different pieces, but, I mean, it, a lar- in large part it's the same. You know, they they almost beat LSU, and then they played Georgia, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. Auburn gave up 292 yards rushing to Georgia, 448 yards rushing to Ole Miss, and 276 yards rushing to Arkansas in consecutive weeks. They gave up 500-plus yards of offense in three straight weeks that were, of course, all losses. Um, And then you look at what they're doing, you know, this year. They gave up 42 to Georgia and 48 to Ole Miss. This year they gave up you know, 27 and, and 28. It's just, it's amazing how far this defense has come, but Arkansas got them last year. Um, you know, it's a little bit different players and different coaching staff, but I'm curious if some of those guys, Marcus Harris, um, Eugene Asante was on the team. Some of that secondary players, curious if they remember that game and use it as a little motivation. I mean, Arkansas crushed them. They blew them out. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they take that take that personal. The other thing is Hugh Freeze um, at Liberty played Arkansas last year. <coughs> Beat him. Beat him. <coughs> at, at Arkansas. Yeah, I watched that whole game last year. It was they were dominant. <laughs> it was crazy, crazy how dominant they were in that game. Yeah, so that's we'll we'll, we'll dive into that a bunch on the modcast here in a couple of days. But I think it's um. I think it's a tricky game. I think it's one you just try to come out with a win, make it three in a row, and get you to New Mexico State, which is a game you should win, and then get you to the Iron Bowl. Yeah. Just win the Arkansas game and keep the momentum train rolling because if you do, you're, I mean, there's, you're, you're going to beat New Mexico State. You just, you know, assuming, you know, the disaster doesn't happen in some way. <laughs> um, and then you roll into Iron Bowl with what you always thought, which is that four-game four game winning streak. And seven wins on the on the resume, and um, man, that would be uh, that would be um, special. That would set up for a really really special environment in, in at that Iron Bowl. Yep, and you get a bowl game. Yeah, that'd be the other thing. I mean, we know they're probably going to be in Mexico State, but it'd be cool to to you know to get to six wins. Go ahead and get, go ahead and get that bowl eligibility would be nice. That's what they're playing for. He Freeze talked about. That's a that's a goal. He's not big on goals in terms of you know he believes more in the process and the journey and um, not necessarily the outcome. He wants he wants the process to be the goal, and then he right. thinks that if if that's the focus, it will produce the results, which is something you know not to bring up Nick Saban's name, but that's something Nick Saban of course made 
became really well known for early in his career at Alabama. He would always talk about the process, the process, the process. Um, yep. And it's true. It's what championship coaches, I mean, championship programs are built on that. They're built on the process being the thing. Every player and coach buys into the process, and the, and if that happens, it will produce the kind of results you want. So, of course, it's championships, but before that comes the process, which is why you hear Hugh Freeze talk about the journey being the goal, not six wins being the goal. Because right. if the journey is the goal and doing things right every day is the goal, you'll get you'll get the six wins. That goal will take care of itself. Um, so be big. Be big for Auburn to get to a bowl game and – um, it looks like they're going to. I was kind of looking. By the way, I was looking at bowl, sort of bowl projections, or I was sort of looking at where the SEC might go. I don't think the SEC is going to fill their allotment. I mean, South Carolina, probably not making a bowl. Florida. I mean, Florida. That loss to Arkansas was massive for Florida. They still have, I think, Missouri, LSU, and Florida State, and I think they're sitting at five wins. Um, <laughs> they may not. They may not make it. Um, oh boy, that's rough. But that's that was I, I put it on the board too. That that Arkansas Florida game. A lot of people wanted Florida to win just because, you know, you don't want Arkansas to be overly confident going in. But you know, comes back down to this balance. You want to win on the field first. You want to win in the living room first. And uh, Auburn's in some battles with Florida. And you know, wasn't horrible for Florida to lose. Oh, for yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they're recruiting well too. They are. They are number three in the country mm-hmm. in recruiting. <clears throat> yeah, so they're sitting there at five wins, and they've in their last three games are this week against LSU. Looks like that is. Let's see where that game is played in Baton Rouge. <laughs> then they play at Missouri, and then they host surely, Florida State, and then they surely, host Florida State. So they absolutely could go five wins and not make a bowl. It's going to be tough for them if they don't finish strong to hold on to that number three recruiting class. But as a guy like Billy Napier, I mean, Auburn was in the same position a year ago with Harson. Take away all the extracurricular stuff that went on with Harson, and you go to the record, and it looks very similar. Do they fire the guy after all that, but the recruiting's better? I mean, does that save him, you think? I don't know, but what's interesting about the way that you're looking at that and the way that we're used to looking at that is you want them to lose right for recruiting. Well, yes, but now with the transfer portal, just keep recruiting them, you know, within, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, there's, there's obviously rules. Once you get on campus, you don't need to be straight up yeah. tampering, but look, yeah. they could, Florida could sign most of these kids. And then if it goes South next year and Florida goes, Whoa, we made a mistake and they fire Billy Napier. So, or, or even if they don't, if it just goes South, a lot of those kids could turn around and transfer. And so if you – that's why it's so important now in recruiting. If you finish second, so you're like neck and neck, Florida gets the kid, whatever. Yeah. Um, man, they could turn around and transfer a year later. They could come right back to you. So you just got to figure out ways to stay connected to some of these kids through their parents or whatever it is, which is why you need – like the staffing in, in the whole portal is just – that's a whole other discussion. But you almost need people to be like, hey, stay in touch with these guys, like their parents or their coach. Right. Stay in touch with them and because we were right there. And let's just stay in touch with them for the next year and, like, let's see if they made if they feel like they made the right decision. You know, straight up tamper. You're not calling up the coach going, hey, tell him he made a mistake. You're just you're yeah. making sure that connection's still there. So if the kid gets to where he went and if he feels like maybe he, he doesn't love it there, you're in a position to maybe lure somebody back if you still have an opportunity. But that's like a whole nother level of recruiting that we haven't had to – really do in the past yeah um, and i'll just tell you um <laughs> when you have the kid's phone number it doesn't just go away and the kid can always call them there it is there it is uh zach said that's what james madison is hoping for they have to get a waiver though right zach what, what i saw i saw um yeah they got something with their eligibility well when you when you when you jump into fbs for the first year you can't make a bowl which is beyond stupid Explain that. Like, welcome to the party, but hold on. But you can't go to a bowl in year one. Well, why not? You're in, you're in the thing. Why can't I go in a bowl? But they're trying to. I saw where they're trying to do a waiver to get bowl eligible, James Madison. But but yeah, that would be a team that could jump in there. But back to what I was saying it was the SEC. I don't know that they're going to fill all their spots. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Zach says either a waiver or not enough teams earn bowl eligibility 
they need a bunch of teams to go under six and six. Well, I don't think Carolina's getting there. I don't think Florida's getting there. Um, you know, obviously Vanderbilt's not. I don't know where Mississippi State's at. I don't know if they're at four or five. I don't know how close they are. They're four. Either way, for Auburn, it looks a lot like you're looking at Liberty Bowl. You're looking at uh, Music City Bowl, Duke's Mayo Bowl. I probably yeah. go with one of those three at the moment. I don't think they're going to fall. If they could beat Arkansas against the seven, that should eliminate them from Birmingham Bowl, Gasparilla Bowl, lower tier bowls. Um, they'll be in competition with somebody like Kentucky, somebody like Texas yeah. A&M. There's the Texas Bowl, but if A&M gets bulged, we'll feel like that's probably where they'll end up. You generally want to – SEC works with these bowls to try to keep teams where fans will go. Just, so, just don't let it be Wisconsin again. Yeah, well, let's see. Duke's Mayo is against the uh, um, Liberty Bowl is against the Big Twelve team. I saw West Virginia as a prediction. Duke's mm-hmm. Mayo is against. Um, it's got to be a Big Ten, Big Ten team, or no ACC? It's got to be ACC. ACC, and then the and then the um, what's the third one I mentioned? Music City Bowl. Music City's Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah, Music yeah. City's Big Ten. Big Ten would be Iowa State, maybe Minnesota again. Listen, Auburn needs to get off the big – like on one hand, I want Auburn to play a Big Ten team because they need to get that taste out of their mouth. But on the other hand, my gosh, Auburn recently – they beat Purdue, which Purdue's overmatched in that 2018 bowl game. But since then, they've lost to Penn State twice in the regular season. They got shellacked by Northwestern in a bowl, and they got shellacked by Minnesota in a bowl. They did get beat um, by Northwestern. They have also yeah. beaten Northwestern in a bowl in 2009. Yeah, years ago. So I don't know where they'll end up, but that's kind of where it's looking maybe. Maybe Memphis, maybe Nashville, maybe Charlotte. Um, but uh, we'll see. A lot, lot of game. We'll, we'll, the next two weeks we'll, 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 we'll say a lot. You know, of people you know. downplay bowls these days, but oh, Zach, latest projections say Auburn, Oklahoma, and Texas Bowl. Wow. That would be fun. Um, that would be that would be weird. I mean, Oklahoma's good. They're they're about <laughs> to play, but see, that's one I would I think that the SEC would avoid because they're going to play next year. Yeah, the SEC. Yeah. I don't think the SEC is going to be like, well, hold on, we want the the we want the we want that matchup next year. We want we don't want to take away the shine of Oklahoma coming to Auburn next year, and Texas playing Alabama next year. We don't want to take the shine away from that by letting them play in a bowl this year. I think that'd be a terrible decision. People downplay bowls, but after you weren't in one for a year, talking about a bowl is a lot of fun. I have to admit, like, oh yeah, that's kind of exciting that you might be in a bowl after you missed yeah. one a year ago. By the way, that reminded me. Did you see Nate Bargatze on on the? I didn't uh, see his whole thing on game day. Gosh, that was hilarious. He said uh, they were picking the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game. He's like, Oklahoma's coming to the SEC. You know, uh, they're in for a rude awakening. They're going to be the new Vandy because he's a Vandy fan. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah, Zach says Auburn, Clemson, and the Dukes, Mayo. And I also saw Auburn, West Virginia, and the Liberty. So it's somewhere in there. Auburn, Clemson would be – I just – I'm so over that matchup over the last decade. I've seen it multiple times going back. I saw it in 2010. saw it in 2011. saw it in 2016, I think. Um Saw it in a 97 bowl game. <clears throat> Seen it plenty lately. Um, and Clemson, for all their issues, they're still really, really talented. They're, they're more talented than yeah. all. Yeah, so, yeah, they are. Uh, and that being in Charlotte would be uh, that'd be quite the tough matchup for for Auburn in 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 that one. So that's not. I don't think Auburn fans would be super pumped about seeing Clemson again. Um, but it'd be a pretty good pretty good crowd. Um, all right, let's uh, – all right, yeah, we can talk basketball for a quick second. Of course, Auburn plays played Baylor. Really good game. Baylor's ranked. Auburn loses 88-82. Um, I thought – I was really impressed with Auburn. I, I honestly, I thought yeah. they played a little bit better than I thought they would. Um, defensively, they still have a ways to go. <clears throat> can't give up 88 points. Can't, can't give up 50, 54 points in the second half. Um, or no, 50 – yeah, 54. Um, too many fouls. Of course, you know Bruce Bruce Pearl wasn't happy with the officiating, 
But you still have to move your feet. You still have to play good defense. You can't commit 30-something fouls. That's not good. Offensively, have to be happy with 80-plus points in the opener against a ranked opponent. A lot of guys can contribute. That's kind of what you saw from Auburn. A lot of guys can contribute. Aiden Holloway, Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, Denver Jones, Chad Baker-Mazzara, Katie Johnson. There's a bunch of guys that can go get you anywhere from, you know, 6 to 8 to, to 19, 18, 19, 20 points. Um, there were some good signs. Auburn rebounded the ball really well. That's not something they always did well last year. So to match Baylor, <clears throat> who's generally a fantastic rebounding team, to go toe-to-toe with them on offensive and defensive rebounds, that was huge. Auburn had more blocks. Auburn had more fast-break points. They had more bench points. Um, so there was a lot about that game that was really even. The issue was late in the game. Auburn Auburn turned the ball over, I think, five times in like a four-minute span late in that game, really when Baylor made their run. That was that was that was not good. You had seven turnovers from Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway, four from Trey and three from Aiden. Aiden had a couple turnovers late. That's really, I think, a big spot where Auburn's going to have to figure some things out. Who's the closer going to be? Whether it's Trey or Aiden, probably Aiden, I would imagine. But that's got to be cleaned up. Closing games out. Um, that was the issue last night. If you had, if you had a more experienced point guard that knew how to close a game out, you you probably don't commit some of those turnovers. You have some, you know, you run some offense and you can maybe squeak that game out. But they didn't play well on offense and it turned it transitioned and they gave up buckets on defense and then they lost the lead. But overall, <clears throat> um I, I, I was encouraged by what I saw. Now Bruce is, is not happy because they missed an opportunity for a fantastic non conference win. A great win that would have been a, a good win on Ken Palm and come selection Sunday that would have been a win Auburn could point to in terms of seeding. Um, that would have been a big one because they're not going to play a team as good as Baylor the rest of the non-conference slate. They'll play Indiana. They're okay. They'll play USC. USC is pretty good. <clears throat> they might be. I mean, USC might be as good as Baylor. It might be a comparable. Baylor's a little bit better. Um, but they missed an opportunity. But all in all, from what I saw from that Auburn team, <clears throat> there's no reason they can't win every other non-conference game. That includes Indiana and Atlanta. That includes USC and Auburn. They go up to New York, New York to play in that tournament, but I think Auburn's the best team there. Um, they just got to figure some things out, closing games out, um, and just playing a little bit better defense, which will which can get cleaned up. But keep in mind, Baylor generally is a really really efficient offensive team, so you know no excuse to giving up 88 um, or 54 and a half. But I don't know. I saw a lot of things to grow on, and I'm kind of with Bruce. Missed opportunity. You hate that, but a lot of good things to grow on, I think. I think just my takeaways from what little I know about basketball, but uh, from a year ago, it just seems like there's so many more scoring threats. It's just scoring threats. I mean, you got a shooter now. Denver Jones is a shooter. Pretty pure shooter, too, it looks like. Um, Trey Donaldson can score. You know, Aiden Holloway can score. Janai Broom, he creates paint possessions for himself, which that's something that a guy like maybe Austin Wiley, who you had not too long ago, can't do. You know, he's just not a guy that was that dynamic on offense, even Walker Kessler to an extent. So, I, I, I mean, you can run a lot of things around him, and then you got shooters around him that, that can do, you know, that can score. It It's like a – some of those teams, like Jabari Smith, they they had to give it to him in the last minutes every time because he was the guy. Now you got guys that can really, you can put it in their hands in clutch, in clutch situations. They can score. I think that's the biggest difference. I think the Bruce Pearl team is going to have good defense at some point. And there's a lot of athleticism. Like Chad Baker-Mazzara, that guy's athletic. He's not just a big guy. He's athletic. And Jalen Williams, super athletic. They can run the court all day long on you, and they – how many do they rotate? Ten or eleven guys total? They played eleven. Yeah, played eleven. Ten guys scored. One, two. <clears throat> yeah, ten guys scored. The only player that didn't score was Leor. He only played five minutes. Everybody that played, and then everybody else. You had ten guys. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <clears throat> you had ten players play double digit minutes. Ten guys got double digit minutes, um, and every one of those guys scored. Um, and nine of those ten made two buckets or more. 
Only hmm. one guy changed. The only guy that only made one shot. Everybody else made at least two shots in that game. Yeah, Chaney Johnson. He's interesting. Not sure what his fit is yet, but he's <laughs> interesting, no doubt. Yeah, he's a little, still a little raw. Looked looked like he was a little um, as good of an athlete as he is. He looked a little out of place sometimes. Maybe kind of where does he fit in? Yeah. Um, but he, he, he's a, he's a great. Um, I think from what I saw, as good as an athlete to see as Jalen Williams is, is it needs to be the starter there. They just got to figure yeah. out those late games. Aiden Holloway needs to be the guy, but he needs to. I think Aiden maybe took it upon himself a little bit too much, and I think yeah. Aiden is creative enough that he needs to be the guy late in the games. But you, but he's got to rely on Denver Jones, Janai Broom, Jalen Williams. There's there's weapons there that if Aiden will do his job and be creative. And, of course, Aiden can score too. But there's other weapons there, and I think Aiden maybe, you know, he had a couple turnovers where he maybe felt like he was – felt a little pressure, maybe he's trying to do too much. But, um, yeah, a bunch of weapons. And, of course, Denver and Aiden, who both can now shoot the three, even Janai stepping out. But Denver and Aiden are going to be your two guys that you didn't have last year that can shoot the three, that could go knock down three threes in a game or yep. four. And they didn't have – I mean, they didn't – Wendell Wendell wasn't that guy because he couldn't create his own shot really, and he wasn't that. He wasn't. Uh, I don't know. He was. He was. He had. To, he had to shoot a lot. Wendell had to shoot a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's just some scoring threats. I think that's a. That's an upgrade from the team a year ago. But they'll be all right. They come back home, play Southeastern Louisiana on on uh, on Friday night in Neville Arena. Hope that hope that it's packed. Um, we have a great, great crowd there. But I like what I saw from the Auburn team. A lot of guys, a lot of competitiveness, a lot of guys who can score and contribute. <clears throat> they're going to be, they're going to be right there. They're going to be right there competing for the in that top four or five group in the SEC. I think A and M and Tennessee are a tick above everybody else. But I think, and then I would say Kentucky and Arkansas is probably up there. Probably A and M, Tennessee, and Arkansas are probably the best three teams. And then Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn are probably that next group. Yeah, and you got teams like Mississippi State and Florida that should be pretty good. Florida's a team to watch out for as well. But I thought all in all, a good start for Auburn. You want to get the win. They were right there. They blew. I mean, the reality they blew the lead. They led most of the game. That sucks to have blown the lead. But projecting forward for what this team can be, that was a good sign. From what you saw, you're like, okay, all right. A lot of new pieces. I was a little unsure maybe exactly what they look like. That's a tournament team. The tournament team, it's a team that's capable of doing some things this year. It's a team that's capable of getting in the NCAA tournament, winning a couple games. Um, that's what they should be. So you just got to build on it. Right. All right. <clears throat> Let's roll. We'll be back in a couple of days with the Modcast um, as Auburn prepares to play at Arkansas and try to win three in a row in conference. They haven't won three in a row in conference since 2020, which is kind of like, wow. Just three straight not uh, three straight SEC games. Auburn football hasn't done that, hasn't won that since huh. three in a row and since uh, 2020. So we'll see if they can get that done. We'll talk about that on the modcast here in a couple of days. Make sure you go to auburnlive.com, subscribe. Bunch of recruiting news going on, basketball stuff obviously getting cranked up. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel, turn on notifications, all that good stuff. Um, and uh, obviously, special shout out to our sponsor, Session Cocktail, as well as GameTime.co. Um, appreciate them and what they do. <clears throat> we'll be out. We'll see you next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're first bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, 
Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.